she will do um, specifically nine seconds of silence to remember the nine victims and uh, their families who tragically perished uh, last Wednesday, May 26th at the BTA rail yard. Their lives were cut uh, short by a senseless act of violence and knowing how close uh, the transportation community is uh, and has been with this task force as well, um, I know this has uh, impacted us all deeply. Uh, so I will now ask that we take a moment of silence. Recording in progress. Thank you very much. And um, as we have been doing at the beginning of these meetings, um, continuing uh, with another somber note, um, like to be able to take a few minutes to remember um, the people whose lives have been cut short on our streets. Uh, and this is just since our last task force meeting, which was on March 5th. Um, and so this is, uh, or excuse me, from, uh, we're, we're just looking at since March 5th to, uh, to June 1st. And I'm going to call out uh, names of eight uh, road traffic victims and council member and vice chair Foley is going to call out the names of eight other uh, victims. To lay. Richard Velasquez, a male motorist, male motorist, Vanessa Arce, a male bicyclist, male motorist, and a male bicyclist. I'll now hand it over to Councilmember Foley. Philip Nievas, Precious Nievas, Female Pedestrian, David Jones, Male Motorcyclist, Female Pedestrian, Male Pedestrian, Male Pedestrian. Thank you. This list uh, included two separate pedestrian fatalities at the same location, uh, Monterey and uh, Kurtner or uh, Monterey and Tolly, uh, both of them in April. On uh, September 25th, 2020, the city of San Jose kicked off the first task force meeting to bring together stakeholders at the county, city, and uh, within our community to help guide Division Zero strategies to make our streets safer Today's meeting is the fourth meeting of the Vision Zero Task Force. And in particular, the task force is intended to do the following, to provide quarterly traffic fatality and severe injury reports, review quarterly traffic enforcement given to the top five uh, causes of fatal and severe injuries or KSIs, uh, to bring together decision makers from the city uh, and county departments and to leverage resources for a shared goal of reducing traffic fatalities and to guide implementation of the Vision Zero action uh, plan. Uh, our first 
task force meeting was a kickoff on uh, uh, the second meeting's theme was outreach and the third was about data. Today we're going to focus on progress the Vision Zero program has been making and what the city of San Jose is working on uh, in the second half of this year. Uh, Vision Zero is an effort to bring uh, is an effort that brings data analysis and community outreach together to better understand uh, of which safety projects and strategic cross department initiatives are the most impactful at reducing reducing crashes, severe and fatal injuries, and to prioritize safety projects uh, and infrastructure improvements based on the data and community feedback. As part of the Vision Zero program, uh, our San Jose Department of Transportation hired two consulting firms, Urban Logic, uh, to develop. Um, mapping analysis dashboard, a mapping analysis dashboard, and MIG to lead the Vision Zero strategic communications effort. And today we'll hear from these two consulting firms about the projects they will be working on with the city of San Jose's Vision Zero and uh, both uh, part of the Vision Zero action plan based on uh, city council direction in February, uh, February 2020. Throughout today's meeting, I encourage you to think about how the scope of work could be improved and collaboration opportunities. Uh, and we'd love to hear that feedback as well. There will be a task force member discussion after each presentation, 15 minutes after uh, reports and updates uh, where we will hear about the first quarter traffic fatality data and action plan progress. And then after each of the consultants presentations, there will be, uh, that will be followed by an open forum for the public comment at the end of our meeting and uh, appreciate everybody's participation again in this very important conversation. Uh, I will now uh, do a roll call of our uh, de departments and agencies present. Uh, I'll be calling out the department or, or organization name and if the representative could identify themselves by their name and title, that would be uh, appreciated. So uh, we have myself, uh, uh, Councilmember Raul Perales and uh, Vice Chair Pamfoli who have already spoken. So now we'll move on to our city of San Jose uh, Department of Transportation. Good morning, everybody. John Risto, Director of Transportation, City of San Jose. Thank you, John. And now our City of San Jose Police Department. Hey, good morning, Lieutenant Dave Anaya with the Traffic Enforcement Unit. Thank you, welcome, Lieutenant. And our City of San Jose Fire Department. I believe we did not have an RSVP. I don't see anybody on the list here. Um, and our City of San Jose Public Works. Are you? Good morning, uh, everyone. Yep. Michelle Kimball, senior engineer with the Department of Public Works. Thank you. In uh, our City of San Jose Parks Department. Good morning, everyone. Neil Rufino, Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. Uh, our City of San Jose Economic Development. Did not get an RSVP. I don't see Sal here. Okay, we'll move down. Uh, uh, let's see, our City of San Jose Housing Department. Good morning, Reagan Henninger, Deputy Director of the City's Housing Department. Thank you, welcome, Reagan. And um, don't see here from uh, VTA, I know obviously they were tentative as well. Uh, we have traditionally had Angelique. I don't know if there's anybody else here from VTA. Um, I'm here, Lauren Ledbetter. Thank you, Lauren, welcome. Mm -hmm. And from our county's uh, roads and airports. Hi, I'm Harry Freitas. I'm the director of roads and airports. We have another, Thank you. Yeah, we have another staff member here from, uh, oh, there he is, An Anath. Please introduce yourself, yeah. Yeah, Anath Prasad, county traffic engineer. Good morning. 
Good morning. Thank you. Welcome enough. Uh, and from County Public Health. Ms. Wexler, uh, Santa Clara County Public Health. I'm filling in for Rhonda McClinton-Brown. Thank you very much for joining us. And our County Emergency Medical Services. Uh, Jackie Lowther, EMS Director, and Falco is here. Uh, Falco Shenowat, there he is. Good morning, Falco Shenowat, Nurse Coordinator. Welcome. Thank you very much for being here. And our County uh, Medical Examiner Coroner, I don't believe we got an RSVP either. No. Hi, good morning. It's oh, sorry. Rubius here from the Medical Examiner Coroner's Office. Welcome. Thank you very much, Josephine. Uh, County Office of Education. Good morning, um, Dr. Marianne Dewan, County Superintendent of Schools. Welcome, thank you. And from CalWox. Good morning, Nikita Sinha, Walks and other program manager. Welcome. And Silicon Valley Bike Coalition. Diana Kremity, Santa Clara County Advocate, Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition. Welcome, good morning. And uh, from AARP. Good morning, this is Joe Glenn uh, filling in for Fred Buzo who uh, departed uh, AARP last month and I'll be serving as the representative uh, until he's replaced. Great, thank you very much uh, and welcome. That's uh, the list that I had. Is there anybody that I missed that may be joining in from um, another department? Please feel free to jump in now. Good morning, Carlos Acosta, uh, Central Division Captain, San Jose Police Department. Welcome, Captain. Thank you. Okay. All right. So now we'll jump down to uh, our minutes uh, from the last meeting, the um, meeting minutes of the third Vision Zero Task Force meeting uh, that was on March 5th uh, were posted on the Vision Zero website. Uh, and you can reach out to staff directly if you have any comments uh, on that. Again, just a reminder, we don't uh, uh, take a vote on those, but if you would like to update them, you can you can uh, send in a message and we will do that. Just a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, as you uh, should have already noticed, this meeting will be uh, recorded and posted like the others. Uh, panelists have been muted by default since we have a large group. Uh, please click on the raise hand function in your toolbar to be called on uh, and, and then you can mute and unmute yourself accordingly. Um, and uh, if you haven't done so already on uh, your naming uh, for um, the Zoom uh, title, if you can uh, go in and see if you can rename yourself uh, with your agency included if, um, if you know how. Uh, and attendees will have an opportunity to publicly comment during the open forum. Uh, this is due to the large number of panelists that we have uh, and certainly a limited uh, time. Uh, and, and speaking of limited time, we, we certainly try to do our, our best to stay on the prescribed times uh, within the agenda. Uh, and uh, again, open forum will be at the end of the meeting. And if you do intend to speak during today's uh, open forum, you can raise your hand. You can do so now if you'd like to get in the queue. If you're on the phone, you can dial sty uh, or press star nine. Um, and that'll help us to gauge how much uh, time we may need at the end there uh, and how much time we can give every individual speaker. Okay, now we'll move down to uh, item two on the agenda, reports and updates. And we have Jesse uh, Mintz-Roth, who's gonna give us some updates on the Vision Zero key metrics. Uh, 
uh, updates on the Vision Zero Action Plan, priority action areas will follow, uh, also presented by Jesse Mintz, uh, Vince Roth, as well as Gu Dao from the Department of Transportation and our Lieutenant Dave Anaya from San Jose PD. And then we will go to a task force member discussion following those presentations. Welcome. Uh, thank you for your introduction, council member. Um, I'm going to begin with our uh, reports and updates. And um, I am Jesse Mintz-Roth. I'm the Vision Zero Program Manager at the San Jose Department of Transportation. Um, beginning with a few slides that we brought to uh, city council in May um, about our 2020 Vision Zero uh, update, which is the reporting on our traffic fatality data for 2020. Um, many of you may already know that in 2020, San Jose's traffic fatalities went down 18% um, uh, from uh, 60 in 2019 to 49 in 2020. Uh, 2020 was a very unusual year, and so uh, we were interested to benchmark that against other Vision Zero cities to see what their numbers were like. Um, and so uh, you can see here that in the context of California, which is shaded a uh, light orange color, uh, that our um, fatalities in the state went up about 5%. Um, and if you look at other Vision Zero cities, uh, Los Angeles went down a small amount. San Francisco was uh, the same. Um, and a number of Vision Zero cities went up. Um, so it's, um, you know, interesting context as we learn more about uh, the nature of 2020 in terms of data. Um, you know, when we talk about Vision Zero data, it's always important to um, make the really important point that, you know, these aren't just numbers on the page, that these are um, the lives um, lost of our family and friends and neighbors here in the city. Um, and so um, as I talk about this, um, uh, I think about that a lot, but um, so I just want to then say, so in, as I mentioned in 2020, we went down a little bit um, after in the last 10 years, the traffic fatality numbers had doubled um, with a peak in 2015 and 2019. Um, and that is the context of bringing this Vision Zero multi-department collaboration initiative um, to this uh, audience. Um, to begin to talk about our crashes and injuries in 2021, um, we developed these slides last year, um, particularly as 2020 was looking different from the previous years of 2015 to 2019. Um, in each of these meetings, we are looking to report on the previous quarter. So the dates are uh, generally, in this case, it would be January 1 to May 31. Um, however, we did have the data for April in time to do this for injuries. So you can see um, when we're looking at early 2021, we're comparing um, pandemic recovery uh, to early 2020 when the pandemic hadn't really started yet. Um, so in 2021, our uh, cumulative injury numbers by month are slightly below 2020. Um, but when you look at fatal and severe injuries, which is the acronym KSI, um, they're a little bit below uh, 2020 and they're low in the range of 2015 to 2019. Um, however, looking at fatalities, which we have up to the end of May, so May 31, um, we have the same number of traffic fatalities, which is 21 um, compared to 2020. And as uh, the council member mentioned in his introduction, 
Um, there are two uh, pedestrian fatalities that occurred at April, in April at the same uh, intersection. Um, and we were called upon in these task forces meetings to you know, give more information um, about the, uh, the list of traffic fatalities that happened, particularly in the interim between each meeting. So of the 21 traffic fatalities that have occurred so far in 2021, 16 of them occurred since our last meeting on March 5th. Um, one crash was a double fatality that was on April 26th at the Lawrence Expressway and Midi Way. Um, and so of the 16, uh, six of them are people killed while walking, four of them are motor vehicle occupants, four of them are cyclists, and two of them are motorcyclists. Um, and um, you know, we've mentioned the intersection of Monterey and Kirtner slash Tully a number of times because of those two fatalities. And it's going to be included in a walk audit location that we're going to be conducting later this month. Um, it'll be on June 24th and it'll be centered on Kirtner Avenue, um, including that intersection. Um, but we'll discuss it a little bit more in a few slides. Um, in the Vision Zero Action Plan update section, we're gonna be presenting on the progress that we've made since passing the action plan uh, in February, 2020. Um, and so these are the six priority action areas and I'm going to go into them in more detail in the next few slides. The first section uh, is to build robust data analytics tools. Uh, one of the great things that we were able to do recently is hire a new staff member to uh, perform data analysis, and uh, she's been very instrumental um, since joining us in November. Um, another is that we um, have brought on Urban Logic, who um, a company that is building us a, uh, a data analytics dashboard, and they are going to present uh, later in this meeting, so we're excited to hear from them. Um, another is this image, which many of you have seen in earlier presentations, um, which is our near-miss pilot uh, at three intersections. Uh, this image it shows the one that has the most pedestrian activity of the three, which is Meridian and West San Carlos. Um, and uh, the fourth that we mentioned here is our cloud-based radar speed signs. Um, that includes seven that have been retrofitted with new software able to talk to the cloud and four that are entirely new and have some more complex data analytics possibilities. Um, the second area, creating the Vision Zero Task Force, which we're now in in the fourth meeting. Uh, here we also have the dates of the next two meetings, which will be in September and uh, December. And the information to join those meetings will be available uh, shortly on our website, visionzerosj.org, and as well in the future on the city's uh, Legistar site, which this was also listed on. The third area uh, is to strategize tragic, uh, traffic enforcement. And for this slide, I'm gonna hand the mic over to Lieutenant Anaya from the police department. Uh, thank you, Jesse, and good morning, everyone. Um, one of the things that we look at at the police department is we want to look at the best strategy, uh, again, for our enforcement model and how we uh, detail out where we're going to deploy and how we're going to deploy our officers. So what we have here is a chart um, 
in regards to enforcement data from 2019, 2020, and 2021. So just to give you kind of an overview on what we do and how we do it, we look at our Vision Zero hotspots, and we also look at crime analysis unit data, and we go over that data uh, on a monthly basis, and then each week we look at that data a little bit more closely and we decide how we're going to uh, deploy our officers for the best um, bang for your buck, if you will, and where they're going to work in the city. So my traffic enforcement unit, we will disseminate that data with the sergeants each week in our briefing and we give that information out to officers. And then we look at our deployment and we discuss the best practices uh, in our deployment model. Um, we do deploy equitably throughout the entire city. So meaning that we look at each division and the problematic areas in each division, and we will deploy into a particular division each day. So every part of the city gets an equal um, look and or equal enforcement by our traffic enforcement team. So one of the things that we have done within our traffic enforcement unit before I go into the data to give you an idea is we have increased our staffing. Um, just as recently as last week, I received another sergeant to our enforcement team and the month prior, I received a new officer to our traffic enforcement team. Now these are in addition to the officers that I had prior. Uh, prior. So uh, we are now up to a total of two enforcement sergeants and 12 enforcement officers in the traffic enforcement unit. Still a very, very low number for a city our size for enforcement. However, we are on the right path and uh, we, are, we are moving certainly in the, in the right direction in our staffing model. So to take a quick look at the stats, and as Jesse mentioned earlier, um, 2020 is a very unique year, and it was very unique in the numbers, and it was very unique in the way we deployed our officers. So I'll start with 2019. If we look at quarter one, uh, we had 2,189 citations written. Quarter two, if you go to the right, is 3,223. Quarter three was 1,871, and quarter four was 3,308. Now, if you look at previous years, or we go into the next year, with the pandemic, quarter one, we had a normal year, which um, in, in the enforcement model, we looked at, okay, um, we wrote 2,394 citations. But then as you look over to quarter two, our citation numbers depleted significantly down to 251. And what we did is we changed to more of a, so much of an enforcement and citation model into a lot more of an education um, model and where we were still in the, in the Vision Zero hotspots, we were still in those corridors, we were still responding to the same data from our crime analysis unit, but we started issuing warnings a lot more. And we were educating the public, and we were only really issuing citations in the very egregious type violations where we, where we absolutely had to, and the officers were not able to get through to the violator um, during the stop. And so we transitioned that, and you can see by those numbers um, where, we, where we started tracking warnings. So, if you look at quarter two, we were at 251 citations, but our warnings went up to 2,100 warnings. Um, warnings weren't something we have tracked in the past, but we're starting to track those now since the pandemic, and we're going to continue to do that um, over time. So we, have an, so we have an accurate reflection as to what we're doing exactly in the streets uh, and how many stops we are making uh, with these violators. So, um, and then you move on to quarter three in 2020, 414 citations, 476 um, warnings. And then quarter four, 843 and 896. And where you see a big disparity and a big drop off uh, in those quarter three and quarter four numbers, uh, we start have to look at what we were doing as a unit. And we get deployed for all major events in the city. So any sort of protest or civil unrest, 
any other special operations, major events that are in the city. So what happens is, as the traffic enforcement unit gets deployed to other things, their mission gets taken away a little bit from the traffic enforcement portion. So some of those numbers do reflect that, uh, as you can see in 2020 and in the, in the latter part of 2020, uh, based on what was just happening nationwide and within the city of our, or within the city of San Jose. Now, fast forward to 2021, quarter one, we went back to a um, kind of more of normal operations. Now that the pandemic is, um, the, the county protocols have, have given us the ability to make more stops and have more contact with, with the general public. We're back to what I would refer to as more of a normal operation or normal operating standards within our unit. Um, we're still taking the precautions to keep the traveling public safe as well as our, as well as our officers safe in regards to the pandemic, but we've transitioned into, again, what I would refer to as more normal operations. Uh, in 2021, the only data we have thus far is quarter one. If you can look at that comparatively to the, the previous two years, our numbers are up significantly. Uh, between warnings and citations, so 2,761 citations, 870 warnings for a grand total of 3,631 stops uh, made by our traffic enforcement team in quarter one. So those numbers, I believe, speak for themselves with our added staffing and the ability that we have to address the public a little bit better with the uh, increasing numbers in our unit. And um, that's really, that's really in a nutshell, what we're doing in the traffic enforcement unit. I foresee quarter two, uh, getting those numbers back up even more. And, uh, and as we continue on throughout the year and hopefully add more officers to the unit, we'll continue to, uh, to conduct the enforcement model as best we can here within the city to keep our, uh, our traveling motorists safe. Thank you, Dave. Um, let's see. Um, moving on to um, the second area that we we're just going to address under this topic is that we were asked to uh, discuss sideshow or, or work with sideshows. So this is um, collaborative with the police department and also with council offices. Um, we had a pilot location in District 8, which was Ruby and Tully, and following that, we've selected five locations. Uh, which are shown on this map, um, 10th and Felon, Hillsdale and Communications Hill Boulevard, Little Orchard and Bernard, Concourse Drive in District 4, um, and Hellier Avenue in District 2. The fourth area is to increase community outreach and engagement, and we're really excited that we'll be hearing from um, MIG, who will be joining us uh, later this summer. Um, as um, our strategic communications consultant. Um, we also have another project with uh, Fair and Peers, which is to do safety outreach, gathering community input um, at eight locations. And that is funded by a California Office of Traffic Safety grant. And finally, we've been doing more uh, outreach to other uh, entities uh, around the, the region. So on the county level, uh, the Traffic Safe Communities Network, which is part of the County Public Health Department. We've recently started a Vision Zero uh, working group with other county uh, municipalities. Um, in, on the Bay Area level, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission um, now has a, a Vision Zero uh, working group. And then also on the state level, we work with um, what's called CACTI, the California City Transportation Initiative, which is a product, uh, a, a project of the uh, North America City Transportation Officials, known as NACDO. Um, 
So a little bit more information about our community outreach um, and engagement at eight locations. This is the project that we're working with Fair and Peers on. Um, we have eight projects, six of them are neighborhood areas and two of them are corridors. The first project, which is Kurtner Avenue um, from Monterey Road to Almaden Road, um, that one will be held on Thursday, June 24th. Since it's the first one, we're just getting the, the marketing for it uh, out now. Um, but this, the information to join that meeting and all the other ones in this set will be on our website shortly, probably early next week. Um, and so these will be virtual walk audits conducted on Zoom. Um, and we've coordinated with the council offices on these and we'll be inviting all local entities, residents, but not just residents, we're really interested um, in having businesses join and any other um, neighborhood institution, people who go through the area and use the area. Um, it'd be really great to get as much input as we can. Just a quick note about this grant is that um, the OTS grants are really short. They end on September 30th. And so that's why this has a somewhat rushed um, calendar to do all of these events. Um, but to tell you a little bit more about um, Kurtner Avenue, um, this project area is not a priority safety corridor um, and it was driven by data and community input. In particular, there have been uh, four fatalities involving people killed while walking on this short section of Kurtner uh, between Monterey Road and um, Almazan. And um, there are also two additional, also pedestrian fatalities that occurred on private property also in this section. Um, and considering the high number of fatalities in a small area, we really want to better understand uh, the root causes to take input from everyone where we can get input in this area to build trust with our partners and to create a list of recommendations that can be actioned um, either quickly or um, in some cases on a longer timeline. Um, and so we're looking forward to working with all of the partners in this area, including BTA um, and probably Caltrans um, to assemble a longer term capital project in this area, which will involve a lot of coordination and also um, require grant funding. So um, there's a lot of pedestrian activity, cyclist activity, the Guadalupe Trail is right here. Uh, the Kurtner light rail station is right here. Um, there's also a bus here um, and also on the cross streets, uh, including Monterey. So um, we're, we think it's a good area to apply for grant projects in the future. And now I'm going to uh, hand the mic over to Vu Dao to discuss our uh, quick build uh, safety improvement projects. Thank you, Jesse. Good morning. As you know, um, quick build strategy in traffic safety means using low cost temporary material to construct safety improvements. And they typically include pavement striping, roadway signage, plastic devices, and minor signal modification. And they can be built um, more quickly and affordable than permanent improvements. So as part of the Vision Zero Action Plan, uh, we are focusing on implementing quick build improvements on the Vision Zero Priority Safety Corridors. We are currently working on three corridors, Center, Fruitdale, and Story Road. We are also designing two more corridors, Hillsdale Avenue and Brandon Lane. 
What we are sharing with you on the screen are some of the images of quick build elements that we are installing on Central Road. Um, to the left of the image, um, as you can see, we uh, th these elements include high visibility crosswalk uh, to clearly delineate the spacing for pedestrians. Uh, we install intersection curb extension or bulb out using striping and plastic delineators, as you can see in the two uh, center images to tighten up the corner and slowing down turning movements and enhance visibility for pedestrians and minimize their, their exposure time to traffic. We also install new bike lanes um, where there is a gap in the network and enhance existing bike lanes with wider buffer um, areas um, as well as adding physical uh, separations such as plastic bars in some cases where we use park vehicles uh, to add more protection for bicyclists. As you can see on the top right image where we flip the parking to the outside and have the bike lane adjacent to the curb. Uh, minor signal modification was also part of this project. We added yellow, a yellow back plate uh, to the traffic signal heads um, to enhance their visibility. And we also reprogrammed um, the signal timing at a number of intersections to allow pedestrians to enter the intersection prior to giving the green light to drivers. Another key component to, to this project is removing excess uh, travel lane where we went from a six to a four lane configuration and reallocate the excess space to uh, provide for higher quality, safer bike lanes. And that will also help make speed uh, less enticing or speeding less enticing. So this project is under construction and we are finishing up uh, very soon. In summary, this is a, a quick highlight of one of the things that we are doing in an effort to make our streets safer for our roadway user, whether they choose to walk, bike, take transit or drive. Thank you for the opportunity. Back to you, Jesse. Thank you. Um... The sixth area in the action plan is to prioritize resources on high fatal and severe injury corridors and districts. Um, and so we would like to just, just introduce to everyone our citywide collision review project. Um, this is a big project for everyone involved in DOT operations. Um, it involves four teams and about 40 staff members working on 16 locations, which were selected based on crash information, fatal and severe injuries, um, particularly those involving people uh, hit while walking and biking. Um, so the teams will be reviewing injury trends at these locations and uh, will be recommending improvements anticipated by approximately the end of 2021. Um, and so we expect to begin implementing some improvements by the end of the year. We do have some money uh, reserved to do uh, these improvements at these 16 locations. And um, the final area that we wanted to talk about just beyond the six areas of the action plan is just a, an update on our legislative work. Um, and so the two bills that we've been working on in the assembly with other California cities, um, following our work in the zero traffic fatalities task force in Sacramento in 2019, are assembly bills 43 um, and assembly bill 550. 
Um, Assembly Bill 43 was introduced by Assembly Member Laura Friedman of Glendale in Los Angeles. She is the new head of the Assembly Transportation Committee. Uh, the bill would give municipalities more flexibility in setting speed limits on high injury streets and ones that go through business activity districts with pedestrian and cyclist activity. Um, the bill is um, out of the assembly, I believe, um, and headed towards the Senate. And um, the other bill that we were working on this year, Assembly Bill 550, was introduced by Assembly Member David Chu of San Francisco and would have let five cities, including San Jose, pilot speed safety systems on high injury streets near schools and other community facilities. Um, this bill passed out of the Assembly Transportation Committee, but was held in appropriations, which means that it won't move this year. Um, and this bill follows another bill that we also worked on in 2017, also with Assembly Member Chu, called AB 342, that would have let San Francisco and San Jose pilot speed safety systems. Um, in the 2021 bill, um, which was um, going to ha have San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, Los Angeles, and Glendale uh, be in the pilot, um, having that stall in appropriations this year, there's a lot of momentum to continue the work, and there's actually a number of other cities in California that would like to be part of it. So um, it seems very likely to continue to be revived um, in the perhaps immediate or you know in the future. So um, I'm so that's the end of this section. Um, so we're back to you, uh, Councilmember. Thank you very much for the uh, presentation uh, and updates. Uh, I will first go over to members of the task force to see if anybody has any questions or comments. And uh, first hand up I see is our vice chair, council member Pam Foley. Thank you, chair. And uh, thank you, Jesse, first for highlighting that the fatalities are people and that lives are affected by their deaths, their, by their tragic deaths that should have been preventable in many cases. So I, I really appreciate that you focus on that and not on just a number. We look at the statistics, but they are all human beings who are attached, who go along with those numbers and, their, and leave behind their families and friends. I do have a couple of questions. I'm, I'm really getting concerned, um, and this is for uh, the lieutenant, I'm really getting concerned about a uh, increase in traffic, increase in uh, congestion and aggressive driving. So I'm wondering how uh, I, I, I see the numbers are going up from warnings and citations for the first quarter, which is uh, not surprising given that people are back out and driving. I noticed the roads are a lot more congested, but I'm concerned about pedestrians. I'm concerned about bike safety in some of our corridors and aggressive driving behavior. So how do we, do you have uh, in, in your warnings and citations, do you have a list of the things that, like the top five things that are you're issuing citations or warnings for? Oops, sorry, there, there you are. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I couldn't get logged back on. Um, 
Yeah, so we look at, and, and again, your concerns are certainly exactly mirroring our concerns at the police department. You are, you are, you are on point with exactly what your concerns are. A um, couple of the things that we do is, again, when we look at uh, pedestrian safety, we look at pedestrian, uh, motorcyclists, and, um, and also bicyclists, right? So that we kind of lump them in together, if you will, for our enforcement strategies. One of the things that we're doing in, in, in uh, assistance with um, some of our grant funding, we do pedestrian and bicycle safety operations where we will actually go out um, specifically for pedestrians. And we'll look at an area that's had um, some of our highest numbers of KSI within the city. And we will go out and do enforcement after hours um, on grant funding type money uh, that we get. And we will do pedestrian and bicycle safety type operations. And those may include uh, distracted driving type things. We will look for people who are not yielding to bicyclists that are in the uh, bike lanes. We will put undercover officers out to do pedestrian safety while they were undercover officer will push a walk button and they will cross the street and we will have officers looking to see who is yielding uh, properly, uh, motors are yielding properly. And when they're not, we will issue citations for that uh, and or warnings based on the scenario. So we do look at those things um, quite frequently and we really do try to dive down into what the numbers are and where we can, again, get out there and get the most bang for our buck with the limited numbers that we have in our traffic enforcement unit. Uh, one of the things that I started doing recently is really reaching out to our patrol uh, officers and patrol captains to, to dive down and get this information out to our patrol officers so we can have that much more enforcement on the streets um, with traffic enforcement. Um, the patrol officers get so busy sometimes that they, they lose sight of some of the traffic enforcement things that need to be addressed in the city. So those are one of the things we're trying to circle back with our, with our entire staff and get them to be more involved in traffic enforcement based on the fatalities and things that we're seeing. And then your last question was the top five um, citation um, that we're issuing. The majority of them are speed. Um, then we're looking at stoplight violations. Unsafe turning movements are typically our top three. And then we can kind of, they start to get pretty close after that. But our, our top three um, are speed, stop, stop lights and stop signs, and then unsafe turning movements. And that's really what we concentrate on. Um, we are seeing a, a, an excessive number of distracted driving um going on in the streets so some of these people are driving recklessly some of them are not yielding to our pedestrians and our bicyclists and a lot of that has to do with distracted driving so we have been doing a big push in our distracted driving enforcement lately and i'm seeing a huge uptick in that um, as well throughout the city so we do look at these numbers i do address these with jesse i do look at them through our crime analysis unit and the police department does the best they possibly can to really try to dive down and see exactly what the root cause of these accidents are and so we can address them uh, properly. I'm sorry, collisions. I, I refer to them as accidents, but it is a collision. So hopefully that answers your question. It, it does. Thank you for the information. And, and just personally, I'll share with you that my husband rides his bike to and from work. And he uh, rides down Hamilton Avenue near Meridian. And just yesterday, he reported that there was a road, road rage incident where two cars were uh facing off against each other in an area that doesn't have a bike lane and so he was uh in harm's way and they they didn't care and of course i know you're thinly staffed and i don't expect you to be there at every time but i i was curious you really talked about it it's the distracted drivers it's not yielding to pedestrians 
So the, the question is, I, I appreciate the citation or the warnings. I think a citation is more of a wake up call than a warning is. I, I understand the warning is a safe touch, but if someone's getting hurt because of distracted driving, I'm not sure that, or a failure to lead, I'm not sure a warning will, is enough. Uh, it's not, it, you can't weigh a warning against a live or a serious injury or a death. So um, it's not just personal. I know there are people on this call who have lost uh, family members in walking and being uh, drivers who are distracted and, and many other uh, situations. So that's why we're here. That's why Vision Zero is here to create our, our streets to make them safer. So uh, I have a question for, I'm glad to see that we're uh, analyzing Kurtner. Well, cent, I guess it's a center. Is it Tully at that point, Tully in Monterey? that we're taking a look at that because that is uh, given the level of uh, the two deaths that we had in, in April, that's a serious corridor. It's a huge intersection. So I'm glad we're taking a look at that. I'd also wonder how we could take a look at intersections like Hamilton and Meridian that uh, to see if there are any, um, what kind of accidents, pedestrian accidents we're seeing at, at that intersection as well. Um, regarding communications and our uh, new communication consultant that we're hiring, what's their strategy? Are we gonna, going to have a uh, report from them on their strategy for outreach? Is that coming today, Jesse? Okay. Yes, yes, right. in a few minutes. All right, I'll save my questions for that. Um, I guess that's it. I think that's all the questions I have for now, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next is uh, Nikita. Thank you, Councilman Perales. Um, I just had a couple comments and a couple questions. Um, I first, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see the collision review um, and, and hear more about that. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about that moving forward. Um, that's something that some of the families for Sage Streets members um, in San Jose have been asking for for a couple years now as a rapid response team. And so um, just really, really uh, excited to see that um, DOT taking taking that up. Um, one of my questions is uh, I'm I'm looking for a little bit more information on the walk audits. I would love to be able to share um, that out with our network and um, the communities who live in those areas so that they're able to participate. And then um, the other question I had, um, Vu, thank you so much for that update on center. It's really exciting to see some of those improvements. Um, I'm kind of curious. Um, about how DOT is going to approach measuring, I know this is a long-term process, but measuring safety in the, in the before and the after of implementation um, and, and measuring the success of that project. If you have any, anything you can share there. Uh, thank you, Nikita. Um, and Jesse, please feel free to, uh, to jump in uh, anytime. I know that you're also working with uh, another team on, in our department and looking at post-study. Uh, but thank you, Nikita, for your uh, question. We are uh, working on an, a standard operating procedure uh, on uh, how to evaluate uh, uh, quick build project as well as other capital improvement projects that we have in our city. So post study is one of the things that we will be uh, looking into 
um, as part of our um, our project, where they're looking at crush data, uh, getting survey feedback from the communities, doing field observation, collecting data. Um, uh, those are some of the things that we uh, we consider uh, looking into to to evaluate the effectiveness of uh, of our project. Um, yes. Yeah, just uh, basically we are we are working on a process to evaluate um, the success of our street redesign projects. And um, we have, I believe we're doing a study um, of the downtown Better Bikeways project first, uh, it's sort of underway and we don't have the results of that yet, but considering that that project was built in 2018, um, we, it has two phases, but the earlier set has a significant um, amount of after data. And so we, it is possible to do a study of that project um, now, and then we can use that as a um, guide to doing the other quick build projects in the future uh, when we have ideally one year of after data on them as well. Um, Thank you, Jesse and Vu. And uh, any information on the, the walk audits and how I can share that information out? Oh, yes. Um, I'm in contact with um, Farron Piers, who's working on that project, and also our um, PIO here in DOT. And we, I think we're going to be posting the information about all of the ones that we have the dates for um, early next week in a new section of the Vision Zero website that will probably be called uh, Community Engagement. OK, thank you. All right, thank you. That's all the hands that I see up. I just have one brief uh, question uh, and clarification for Lieutenant Anaya. Um, Lieutenant, just to confirm on one end, um, when we issue warnings to individuals, there's no tracking to be able to, to, to know if somebody's already had a warning, is that correct? Yes, that's correct, Councilman. We, when we issue a warning, we would have no idea if they got one yesterday or the day before. Okay, and then, um, and obviously, I understand the reason why we were, we were, you know, transitioning from more citations to warnings last year, and I, I see that that trend is now reversed, which is a good thing. Um, certainly, uh, I would, I would echo what Councilmember Foley was was stating, uh, and we know that, and I know that uh, the traffic enforcement unit uh, officers know that as well. The the question is that data that you presented is that only from teu uh, traffic enforcement unit or is that um from all patrol officers as well on on citations and warnings no the information that i provided is specifically from teu so the numbers are actually greater than what we're showing uh department-wide but uh, what happens is it's a little bit more difficult to to track the citations especially right now because we're in a transitional process with the officers receiving um, mobile devices to issue citations. So we're transitioning away from that paper citation or that old school way of writing a citation and now they're doing it on a, either a tablet or on a, um, on a cell phone. So it's a little difficult to track right now uh, what we're doing through patrol. Um, I have been looking into that. Uh, matter of fact, as recently as this week to start looking at numbers that patrol is, is, is doing in as far as citations go. And that was one of the things I had reached out to our command staff in the patrol division to start working on getting patrol officers to get out and about and start writing more citations. So um, those numbers are significantly greater, I'm sure, because of the patrol impact as well. 
Um, but to be quite frank, the majority of the citations that are written within the city are written by our TDU unit because that is strictly their, their job day in and day out. Okay, and then uh, do you know if patrol officers are tracking their warnings or no, not yet? No, neither. As far as warnings go, uh, typically a warning that we issue is a verbal warning. So this, the, the, the stop will be archived obviously by the um, uh, in CAD or in our computer computer-aided dispatch system, right? So the stop is logged. Um, we know that the stop occurred. It's on body-worn camera and, and so on and so forth. However, as far as a as far as a mechanism to track that within our CAD system, it's just it's it's just cleared as a as a no report needed or or basically. And I think you're probably familiar with. It. I'm trying to kind of uh, um, present this a little bit more so everyone else understands. But uh, when you go out and make a stop or or you don't you don't have a disposition at the end, meaning you did not take any sort of enforcement action. It's just cleared one way. So I don't know which ones are cleared with a warning or which ones are cleared another way. So it, it is a little bit difficult the way that our system is set up to, to be able to track a warning, if you will. And, and so TEU is tracking it differently than that, correct? Cause you said you, you guys are now tracking your warnings but you're doing that just within the unit. We are and we're, we're doing it within the unit and we're doing it in manual form. So anytime my officers, and the only reason I transitioned to this is because I wanted to track or capture the data uh, and show the work that we were doing during the pandemic. Um, and part of that thing was, is that we were not tracking that unless we track them manually. So yes, to, long answer to your question is yes, we're tracking them manually. My officers keep a, a running total or running tally, if you will, throughout the day. Um, they report their stats at the end of each week. And then we do a monthly, uh, a monthly tally of what occurs uh, unit wide. And that's kind of where I get these numbers for um, my report out. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And, and I wanted it to be clear as well for, for others that there is more traffic enforcement that occurs and there's more citations and warnings that occur. Um, probably more warning warnings than, than, uh, than, uh, the citations as well from the patrol end of, of, uh, enforcement. But, um, that data is not necessarily presented in what, uh, Lieutenant and I presents here with the TEU data or traffic enforcement unit data. Um, and I do think it would be beneficial to begin to, to see some of that data um, as we get the, you know, the reports here, Lieutenant and I, and so I appreciate that you've reached out. Um, and as well, as you know, that's a, another resource. Clearly, it's, you know, primary responsibility for patrol is to respond to uh, emergency calls. But um, as there is, you know, opportunity, and certainly in some of these uh, specific areas around the city where we know we would like to see increased enforcement and we know that TEU doesn't have the capacity. Um, it's great to, to ensure that patrol is aware of that and it would be nice to see some data just in, in a response that would show, hey, did they also get some, um, you know, some, some were they also issued a, able to issue some citations or warnings in those areas? So I, I'd like to see if we can't um, at least collect some of the citation data, and, and I understand it may not be very easy right now, and so maybe you can uh, keep us updated as those, uh, you know, mobile or, or electronic citations get rolled out, and, and we're able to better uh, gather all the data for citations, so that way we can compare patrol and, um, and add it into the TEU enforcement. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Councilman. And it, it is, and you bring up a great point. It is, it is pertinent. It's valid uh, information, and it's, and it, and really patrol, um, they can be making a significant impact out there. And I think it's just a matter of being able to track that and see what they're doing. So um, certainly the messaging is occurring on my end now um, with sharing our hotspots to our divisional captains. Those things will get pushed down to the lieutenants who in turn will push them down to the line level officers. 
And that's uh, one of the things I'm really pushing for is, is to get that buy-in uh, with everyone department-wide uh, so we can actually have, you know, realistically, everyone in this department is a, is a, is a traffic enforcement officer to a certain extent. Um, again, like you mentioned, patrol has their own responsibilities uh, with calls for service, but certainly during their, their downtime or any sort of free patrol time, uh, the citations are appreciated when they, when they can make an impact out there in our community to keep our motorists safe. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Okay, uh, that's all we have. I wanted to say welcome to Michael Brio from our city's planning department and Sal Alvarez from our Office of Economic Development who have joined us now. We will now move on to the next uh, section here. Uh, and if you can join me in welcoming Mark, uh, uh, we have Masong Song, uh, CEO and co-founder of Urban Logic. And we have Deanna Chow Trotter, who is the principal and director of marketing and strategy uh, or marketing strategy at MIG. Each uh, will present for about 10 minutes and then we will follow with uh, the task force Q&A and then uh, for those that are raising their hands, uh, please recall, we, we will have open forum after that uh, as the final agenda item. Welcome. Great. I'm going to um, unshare my screen and move over to Mark. Just a quick clarification um, with something I said earlier um, is that we are nearing the end of the procurement process. Um, with for the MIG contract and um, it's scheduled to go to city council for approval on June 29 um, for um, award on at that point and then it would the contract execution would be anticipated four to six weeks after that. Um, so I'm going to unshare here um, and Mark, if you want to go ahead. Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you for taking the time and inviting us to, to present some of the work we've been doing with the San Jose Vision Zero team. Uh, so my name is Mark Vasongsong. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Urban Logic. Uh, we started the company back in 2016 with the goal of helping public servants harness the, the power of data and data science to build better communities. We work with governments across the United States and Canada with the the, the main focus is on breaking down data silos because governments sit on a treasure trove of data, but it's often separated into different departments and agencies and jurisdictions. And one of the things that San Jose is, is frankly leading the world in is this idea of creating a common operating picture of, of all government data um, to provide better data-driven decisions. Um, one of the things I, I want to address up front is there's always the, the question of security and privacy. So along with the San Jose's department, IT department, we've been ensuring that everything we do uh, meets and exceeds the highest standards of cybersecurity and privacy with independent auditing from, uh, from ISO certification. Now, with regard to Vision Zero, we started working with San Jose back in 2018 to bring together all the different traffic data. So that's thousands of reports, whether it be tube counts, um, turning movement counts, consultant reports, so that the traffic planners in San Jose could have instantaneous access to all mobility data at, at a click of a mouse. That would reduce uh, time to um, discover insights and, and, and answer questions. And then building on top of that, we then ingested uh, tens of thousands, about 70,000 uh, crash reports. 
uh, and use machine learning algorithms, so artificial intelligence, to identify what are the what are the risk factors. You know, what are the five to ten leading causes of of, of crashes uh, broken down in space? So why is one intersection uh, more dangerous than another, or time? So an intersection at a particular time of day might ha lead to uh, an increasing risk of you know uh, KSI, so fatalities or severe injuries. Uh, we were quite uh, proud uh, that San Jose, in fact, won an award from the American Planning Association for smart city technology um, because the technology allowed uh, San Jose to find risk factors. It could be the built environment. It could be road design that allowed um, you know, the Vision Zero team to identify before crashes happen what types of planning decisions uh, may lead to an, an increasing risk uh, to, the, to the public. So where we're going with this uh, and building on that work is now allowing the Vision Zero team to break down, you know, the anatomy of a crash. Why? Uh, what? What is it about, um, you know, the the space and time and 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 makeup of the community that leads to increasing risks? Um, so some of our work, for example, is helping San Jose identify, you know, that where um, a, a Vision Zero safety corridors could best be targeted. Uh, also breaking down. What is the mix and makeup of types of crashes? So, um, what is the instead of overall crashes, um, are there certain areas where they may have a low volume of crashes, but the uh, the degree of severity is is alarmingly high? And and so, it if you're going to target limited resources to uh, increase public safety, you can then target it where you can have the the, the best impact in terms of public safety. Um, some of the, our work has been focusing on, on you know, risk factors, for example, um, the degree to which running red lights or speeding uh, are particularly dangerous um, relative to other crashes. Um, uh, and again, where, where, that's, where those types of incidents are, are either occurring or trending in an alarming uh, fashion. Uh, part of that work then is to identify what we call uh, high-risk locations. So for example, uh, those these larger dots that you're seeing are areas where there's been a severe crash, could be you know fatalities or, or severe injuries, and then bring in third-party data. So the the dots that you're about to see here are um, uh, heartbreaking. So this is using connected vehicle data, fully privacy compliant. It's fully anonymized. But what you're seeing is over the course of the day, where are people slamming on the brakes? And is there a correlation between people slamming on their brakes and severe injuries? Now, what's exciting about this is we're starting to find areas where you see uh, a correlation between, um, you know, harsh braking activity and uh, um, high high severity um, crash locations. Now, what we're looking for is, are there areas where you're starting to see harsh braking activity, but you do not see yet um, severe a uh, high volume of crashes or or, or severe crashes? And the hope here is that if if we're finding areas where based on driving behavior, this is uh, a risky location, but it hasn't yet been identified the, uh, as, a, as an area of focus because we don't yet have crashes, that might be because there's just not a lot of cars driving there. But if you build an apartment building there, or you increase the business density, then that's an area that data would lead you to believe that will those, those types of, of infill developments will actually lead to, to increase uh, you know, pedestrian fatalities and severe injuries. So the goal here that I think we're, we're quite focused on is if you can predict crashes, uh, then you can prevent tragedies. Uh, one of the things Council Member Foley was talking about was the, the need to focus on, on pedestrian safety. So one of, the, one of the ways that you can do multi-layered analyses here is what we're looking at here is identifying where there has been severe um, uh, 
uh, pedestrian uh, collisions um, in proximity to bus stops that are at uncontrolled intersections. So the, the ability to combine a number of factors uh, and identify where you might have, um, you know, areas where you could focus on, you know, again, we're not the, the public policy experts, so we'd leave that to the Vision Zero team, but at least we can micro-target it. These are areas where perhaps if you were to do road calming or put an intersection, you can increase uh, pedestrian safety because these are, these are um, specific areas where, you know, the combination of factors leads to this being uh, an area where we're seeing uh, a disproportionate amount of, of pedestrian incidents. Um, and then finally, um, once you identify, you know, like that area of interest, it also allows you to see what is it about the makeup of there? Is it the, the mix of demographics of, of who lives there um, or the mix of businesses? So is it the, the particular density or mix of businesses um, along a bus route that's leading to people, um, you know, uh, that are really jaywalking or what have you? And you can then, you know, even pull up the, the mix of businesses and, and identify uh, what is it about those, the, the nature of the built uh, community that, that's making that area dangerous. Finally, one of the... Um, one of the areas that, that's been emphasized to us by the San Jose team is the importance of equity. So one of the things we're looking at is not just where an, uh, an event uh, is happening or where you know uh, pedestrian incidents are happening, but where are those people coming from? So again, using uh, fully privacy compliant anonymized data, one of the things we're saying is, for example, if we notice a particular uh, bus location or intersection is, is very dangerous, um, are people coming from a particular um, you know, uh, neighborhood or, or community group that way we're ensuring that if if you're making um, investments in public safety, uh, it's 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 done with the lens of ensuring that it's it's impacting you know uh, perhaps uh, communities that that are being disproportionately um, affected by safety incidents. Um, and then in closing, one of the things that we're working with San Jose is actually now ingesting even uh, different types of data, so uh, computer vision data. Uh, there's a number of pilots that the San Jose um, IT team is working to bring in, for example, computer vision, so that in addition to the volume of vehicles, um, the crash reports, et cetera, we can also start to ingest uh, behavior of pedestrians or, or cyclists, et cetera. Um, so we can add those types of data layers into the analyses. Um, and in closing, I'd like to, to thank uh, Jesse, Avu, Vince, um, and Lily and, and the entire Vision Zero team at San Jose. They've been a pleasure to work with. And as I mentioned, we get to work with uh, communities across North America. And uh, I think it's safe to say that San Jose's Vision Zero team is really leading the world in, in, in the focus on, on equitable public safety. So thank you so much for your time and happy to turn it over. Thank you very much. And before we move on to Deanna uh, and uh, MIG's presentation, we are gonna allow some time for our task force members to ask any questions of Mark here um, based on his presentation. And Mark, I know you flew through that. Uh, there was a lot of data there. Um, appreciate the level of complexity uh, and, and really all the different data points that you're looking at um, to help us as we, we have to make very important decisions on the policy standpoint. Um, I know that it's challenging on our end, because as a policymaker, we'd like to make every single uh, intersection as safe as possible. Uh, but the reality is, is we don't have the resources to do that. And so we have to go in and, and look at this data and prioritize areas where we know we can uh, really make the biggest impact. And so uh, the data helps us be able to, to do that, analyze that. So um, I don't see any hands, virtual or physical, from my colleagues. Um, you can think about that and we can hand it over to 
um, to Deanna, and then maybe we can ask some some more questions, uh, some more questions after that uh, of, of both presenters. Okay, so Deanna, I'll hand it over to you. Great. Thank you, Councilmember Perales, and um, good morning, uh, members of the Vision Zero Task Force. Um, I am Deanna Chow Trotter, and I'm a principal at MIG, and I lead our firm's communications and media services group. Um, on behalf of our project team, we are honored to be uh, selected for the San Jose Vision Zero Strategic Communications Program and excited to share um, some of our background qualifications and an overview of what we have planned uh, with the city. Uh, we've already had an opportunity to meet with Lam, Anna, Jesse, and Colin, and we look forward to working with them more closely, as well as uh, with you members of uh, the task force. So uh, to start a little about MIG, in case you haven't heard of us, uh, MIG is comprised of designers, planners, engineers, communication strategists, and storytellers that are dedicated to advancing the public good. Um, our firm started about 40 years ago with the focus on city and urban planning. And since then we've deepened and broadened our practice areas to uh, better serve um, and partner with countless public agencies to help them achieve their organization and program goals. One of the disciplines in the MIG ecosystem, um, the one I'm most fond of <laughs> is communications. Our communications practice was established in 1995 and we are a full service in-house marketing firm. We provide strate uh, strategic communications, branding, creative development and design, earned, paid and social media strategies as well as web, web development and community outreach. Uh, we focus on raising awareness, providing education and encouraging behavior change through our campaigns and strategies. We apply our expertise to a, a wide breadth of sectors, including planning, energy, waste management, social services, and more, including transportation. Our transportation work features agencies and projects across the country and here closer to home, uh, statewide, regional, and local. They include the Oregon Department of Transportation, Caltrans, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, MTC, and the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, SFMTA. MIG has an in-depth um, experience with Vision Zero in addition um, to MIG being Vision Zero San Francisco's marketing lead since 2014, we have also worked on Vision Zero projects for LADOT, the City of Denver, the Denver Regional Council of Governments, and recently started work with the City of Vallejo. Our team, including our key subconsultant partners, Fair and Peers, and EMC Research, our team has extensive Vision Zero experience uh, collectively. We've worked with various jurisdictions to implement a new vision for traffic safety, enacting the core Vision Zero principles. Uh, traffic deaths are not inevitable, but preventable. Uh, we work with muni municipalities to help prevent fatal and severe crashes, not just looking at reducing the number of collisions. And we ascribe to a systems approach and that collective responsibility is key to improving traffic safety. Uh, here is a list of Vision Zero projects MIG and our subconsultants have led, are leading now, or will start soon. 
In addition, members of our team have worked on highly relevant San Jose transportation projects, such as the downtown transportation plan, story keys, complete streets, pedestrian safety and bicycle plan surveys, as well as a distracted driving campaign and countywide bicycle plan for Santa Clara County. As I mentioned earlier, um, MIG has been partnering with SFMTA um, as its Vision Zero Communications and Education Lead. Over the six years or so um, of working together, we have created and executed a portfolio of campaigns for the Vision Zero program. And it now consists of nearly a dozen distinct campaigns, all lined with established brand for consistency. Um, some focus on build, building issue awareness while others and a majority of them focused on promote, promoting behavior change for specific traffic safety issues. So from this table, um, you can see how each campaign effort has included a unique combination of city agency partnerships and media distribution channels. And here is a colorful collage of images from our various Vision Zero San Francisco campaigns and our education work. Um, up in the corner here um, are safe spot posters um, and outreach that we did um, around engineering education. Um, recently, we uh, launched this and just completed this Safer Left Turns campaign. Um, and we've done this award-winning uh, Safe Speeds campaign here more on the right. And then some frames from our motorcycle safety video, as well as our driving in today's SF engineering education video series. And of course, um, San Francisco is not San Jose. <laughs> and uh, I share a quick overview of our San Francisco work as a backdrop for our San Jose Vision Zero approach and plans. There are uh, three key principles to MIG's approach to Vision Zero communications. Uh, first, um, all of Vision Zero and um, Mark's work uh, with Urban Logics is super exciting. Uh, we believe in a data-driven approach that decisions shouldn't be arbitrary or solely based on gut feeling, but data directs and confirms decisions. Uh, we have included research, um, data gathering and analysis to understand top crash factors, patterns among uh, high injury corridors, attitudinal research and audience profiles to inform our work. Um, our work is most successful when it's a combination of brains and beauty. Our behavior change or as behavior change communicators, uh, we strive to lead with humility and understand that communications campaigns alone will not create lasting, meaningful, or sustainable change. Studies have repeatedly shown that integrating communications with traffic engineering, law enforcement, and or traffic policy efforts make the greatest impact in increasing street and traffic safety. We wanna collaborate, we're excited uh, to collaborate and create integrated campaigns uh, we not only want to see uh, the city's investment go as far as possible, but want to contribute to preventing significant reductions or for uh, preventing uh, fatal and severe crashes, um, reducing significant um, severe injuries and deaths. And last but not least, um, behavior change messaging must go deeper. Uh, simple directives like slow down, um, 
don't normally work. Uh, more often than not, Vision Zero target audiences are already aware of what the safe or safer thing to do is, and they're just not doing it. Um, our team prides itself in developing messages that address audience, audience assumptions and motivations by challenging them. And from the big picture um, of our key principles to something more tangible, um, uh, overview of what we have planned um, with you. With a two-year timeline, timeline in mind, we've outlined a four-phase project. Um, we start with phase one with a goal of developing a communications platform for San Jose Vision Zero. Uh, this will include upfront research to inform the communications plan and development of the San Jose Vision Zero uh, brand identity. After establishing uh, the communications foundation for San Jose Vision Zero, uh, we will focus on developing the strategy for the first campaign of the San Jose Vision Zero portfolio. And we'll do this by reviewing findings from the research conducted in phase one, working with the city to select a specific issue the campaign will feature, whether that's turning, speeding, um, it could be something more specific in a particular neighborhood or community. Um, I think the, the data will um, allow us to um, figure out what the best choice is, what to prioritize. And once that issue is selected, we'll conduct a series of focus groups to further understand constituent attitudes, habits, and motiva motivations associated with the issue. And this research will be leveraged uh, to develop key messages and a visual concept for the campaign. Once the messaging and visual concept um, are established in phase two, phase three will focus on the work of multiplying the campaign across a myriad of communications touch points. Uh, these are likely to include um, campaign landing pages in multiple languages um, so that every um, camp campaign component will go and, and direct people to a landing page for information. Um, digital out of home and newspaper ads, radio spots, uh, social media posts, shareable videos, as well as community outreach um, with associated collateral materials. Phase three will also include developing earned and paid media strategies and plans, and will include the launch and uh, media buys um, as well. Oh, missed that flip. Um, and once the inaugural Vision Zero, uh, San Jose Vision Zero campaign has completed its run, the MIG team will conduct various evaluation studies and reports to measure performance impact and the success of the campaign. Um, as contracting and budget allows, um, MIG looks forward to continuing work with the city to develop additional campaigns to add to the portfolio and or reprise this first campaign uh, to extend reach and impact of this initial investment. In closing, uh, thank you for the opportunity to in introduce MIG, um, our relevant work and our overview of what's ahead. We look forward to our continued participation in these task force meetings, as well as we share um, our progress and deepen our collaboration. Uh, we're excited to get started and honored to be a part of this life-saving work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for your presentation. We'll open it up now for questions and you can ask questions of either uh, presenter and presentation. Uh, so we'll go first to Lauren Ledbetter. 
Great, thank you. Um, so again, I work for VTA. Uh, I'm a senior transportation planner. I'm really excited to see the summary of uh, what MIG is gonna be doing for the safety campaign. And VTA was uh, provided some input to the city in uh, the development of the RFP for that. I'm wondering if either uh, Deanna or Jesse, you could speak to um, ways in which the work that um, MIG is gonna be doing, particularly in the very beginning when they're starting to do the branding and the messaging, how um, you might be able to develop that and allow not just city staff, but also um, BTA and other agencies uh, throughout the county to at least know what's going on, maybe provide some input because I see a real opportunity for taking what happens in San Jose and expanding it to the rest of the county. And I think it, for that to happen successfully, you, you will need to have some input from other agencies early on in the process. Jesse, do you wanna start or? Um, yeah, I guess, I, I, you know, we, we are definitely interested in working with other cities in the county, um, you know, both through uh, the working group on the county level um, and also directly. Um, at this point, it's, um, you know, we haven't figured out all of the ways in which we'll do it, but um, we're very open to that collaboration. And even, you know, something that were just done on the San Jose level, if it were done on some of the assets that, for example, VTA assets, they would be going into um, other parts of the county on their own. Um, and so I think it's really important to work with other, um, other municipalities in the county. Um, just, to, just a quick um, clarification again on the MIG contract is that we wanted to reiterate that we brought MIG to the task force for feedback before we go to the council to recommend the award of the contract. Um, so um, with that, uh, Deanna, do you wanna add anything? No, I, I may think we've already had some conversations about how um, our campaign work can be um, used and shared across municipalities um, within San Jose and Santa Clara County. Um, and, you know, I think that by developing um, a, a brand that is consistent across all materials and even as we share it with municipalities will bring uh, elevated and coherent sense of messaging. And I think that's a, a great opportunity and uh, we'd love to to see this work go forward in a way that makes an impact um, in even broader and deeper ways. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good question. Um, uh, now we'll go to Councilmember Foley. Thank you. I just have a couple of quick questions, Deanna. Thank you for your presentation, and I look forward to the. Uh, proposal as it comes forward, your messaging and, and the various phases as we move forward. Uh, two questions, how long will it take to get to the, uh, to move through the phases to implementation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, thank you, Councilmember Foley. Uh, I think that we have probably about uh, maybe five to six months. Um, we wanna start with the, um, market research study and what we have uh, prepared through our consultant um, EMC research is a quantitative baseline that is address based. And so it requires a lot of mailing um, and then postcards are returned and then people can either go online to answer a survey or they can call a number 
and there are multiple languages in which they can respond. But we chose this method methodology so that um, it has the most um, comprehensive way for, for us to get a sampling of the city, it, but it just, it takes time. Um, and so uh, with that, we also have um, cra uh, crash profiles with Fair and Peers as well. And we'll use that to inform an overall communications um, strategy. And then we'll go into uh, the branding. So I'd say that's about uh, five to six months. And then um, with that, we'll have the Flint Foundation and then we can go into identifying the specific um, issue that we wanna build the first campaign around. So the, uh, just to follow up on that. So your the plan would be to distribute uh, a mailer of some sort, a postcard or something to residents for them to respond. Mm -hmm. And will that be uh, multilingual? multilingual? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then our um, EMC research will work to make sure that there is a, um, a representative sampling um, across the, you know, the, the council districts as well as um, demographically, um, we're incorporating all of that as part of it so that it is a representative sample. I believe the total sample is maybe six to 800 uh, respondents. Okay, great, thank you. The mm -hmm. other question I had is regarding your campaign in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Do you have data to support uh, its success? Yeah, I mean, um, what, and I, I was really encouraged um, that, the work that we're doing with San Jose includes a baseline. I think that's pretty important, like critical in order to be able to go back and track um, people's, whether it's their awareness of Vision Zero and what they think it means or um, around specific issues. So with San Francisco, we've done that from the, from the outset. Um, in particular with um, Safe Speeds, our anti-speeding campaign, um, that's probably one of the ones we've, uh, the most investment was made and has run the longest. We've reprised that um, two or three times. Um, we were able to do initial segmentation that basically asked folks or segmented folks, like folks that basically understood that speeding was a problem and that they were doing something about it. We kind of felt that they were already on board. Um, but the next group that they recognize the problem but aren't doing as much as they want to, then th that was a um, behavior change target. And the other folks that don't see a problem and aren't doing anything, uh, we, we didn't leave them alone, but wanted to raise their awareness. So um, if there had been more time, I would have shared a couple of video, uh, sorry, radio spots that we did and we ran during commute times, trying to target messages to those two separate audiences. But we found that over um, in our tracking survey that those segment groups um, shifted um, in proportion the way we wanted them to. So um, there are more and more people already on board, um, fewer and fewer of those that uh, we wanted to raise awareness and then um, the behavior change group also grew. Um, and then interestingly enough, we also asked folks if they had recognized our, um, our campaign materials and of those who said yes, uh, we found an even greater um, distinction or, or change in, the, in that segmentation, so. Great. And did you, do you have any uh, numbers to show that injuries or fatalities were uh, decreased as a result of the campaign? We have, um, in that particular year, um, it was Vision Zero San Francisco's lowest number of fatalities. But um, as the city um, 
quite humbly just, you know, there are a lot of factors to that. Of course, there's no way we would, um, we, you know, embrace that change. Um, but there are a number of factors that are, are difficult to say a direct correlation, but we, you know, continue to do everything that we can. And to see that change was um, really encouraging. Great, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I look forward through the various phases and the communication plan that uh, is proposed to us. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next, uh, we have Sal. Thank you for um, thank you for the presentation. Um, and so I manage our citywide streetlight banner program. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to get a sense of, um, and I know that I think we borrowed maybe the color schemes for our most recent <clears throat> banners in our city uh, from the campaign in San Francisco, uh, which I think are much better. But I'm trying to get a sense of, you know, to what extent is there is public infrastructure like that um, part of the, the strategy? And, and uh, should I start thinking about um, how I, you know, could, should we be reserving and, and thinking about our, you know, these sort of banner locations around the city um, and potentially adding more locations um, where we might need them. So I'm just kind of get, you know, will, will your strategy also include things like that, I guess? Yeah, we'd, we'd love to. We'd love to take um, every touch point that makes sense. Um, and city banners are very visible and, um, you know, in particular, those along high injury uh, corridors. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there's some statistic in advertising that it takes multiple touches, right, before someone even registers that something has happened. And for those who create the campaign, it's when we're sick of it that people are just starting to, to, to notice. So um, we're, we're super excited and would love to um, take a look at the various um, locations that are, are possible and how that works with the strategy uh, for the specific issue that we um, built the campaign around. Great, so, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and thank you for the, the questions and the, the dialogue here. On this, I think, um, actually, in regards to what Sal just said, I think we all should be considering what you know assets we may have, uh, whether it's city assets, county assets, VTA, um, you know, and and looking at how we might be able to make use of that, especially on uh, and along these corridors where we know we really want the message to get out, or some of these intersections. Um, you know, you can think of a, a bus route that may be passing through a couple of them or something like that, right, and getting that information onto those buses and, um, and being able to, to really utilize all the, the public assets that we, um, you know, that we have. And, and I think uh, that's why it's important as well that um, we have the coordination. So I appreciate Lauren mentioning that, that, um, you know, how do we coordinate that uh, at the, in the beginning on what that messaging uh, is going to look like and, and ultimately where right it may be as well. Uh, and I would agree that, that uh, you know, in partnership as we already are, the city and VTA, uh, we're going to have messaging that if it makes it onto VTA assets, it's gonna make it throughout the county. And so, um, you know, better to have that messaging be collaborative with the other cities in the county rather than uh, some sort of competing, you know, uh, message or, or something that maybe just uh, becomes confusing uh, for people and, and it's not consistent. So I think that is is important, um, certainly as well. Um, and uh, I'm curious for for others on the task force in regards to um, the uh, data presentation from Mark on um, you know how 
this data, uh, you know, could be helpful for yourselves, anything that we should be adding to the scope of that work additionally, just like uh, Lauren, you know, question for VTA and, and, and wanting to participate up front with the MIG's work um, and, and be able to see in regards to the data we're collecting, I'm thinking of things like the county roads. And so, uh, you know, not to put you on the spot, Harry, uh, but, but the, you know, sort of just the, the uh, question in regards to, you know, is this data also something that could be helpful, um, right, for some of the county roads? Is there something else that, that we should be looking at in there? Um, are there things that you already are doing maybe that, that could aid this work? So I, I don't know if you're, you're, uh, if you're still with us. Let me look to see if Harry's still with us. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, we we obviously, um, you know, have a well. We sorry, not obviously. We have a, a fairly robust traffic engineering staff, and uh, you know, the county has a, a variety of roads. Just for the folks listening in, that including some very high speed roads that are uh, identified on your priority network, uh, particularly Capital uh, coming through San Jose. And um, so that's the expressway network, which is an urbanized network. We also um, have um, um, some residential neighborhoods with typical residential streets known as uh, the, you know, pockets. Uh, Burbank would be an example. Areas of East San Jose would be another uh, example uh, for San Jose. And then, of course, we have our county road system. Anoft uh, Prasad is our, our traffic engineer, and um, we have quite a bit of data, uh, including um, Quite a bit of volume data, uh, a fair amount of speed data, and um, we also have um, a pretty robust tracking system with uh, for our um, crash crash data and our collision data. Uh, now, I, I'd like enough if he is still on to maybe talk a little bit about that. But I, I want to point out one fact that that perhaps folks don't know, and there's there's some complications associated with it. You know, we talk about the three E's. Um, and certainly we do a lot of engineering and we install a lot of devices. Currently, we don't have an education program, um, but we, we certainly are very open to figuring out a way that we can um, work together on that, particularly on those expressways. And, but then on the enforcement side, um, a lot of folks don't know that the, actually the, the sheriff uh, does not do uh, traffic enforcement on county roads. Um, that is the, by state law, the responsibility of the CHP. And, uh, you know, on a particular case, which would be a good example of Sierra Road, which we recently um, worked jointly with San Jose on, um, on and that's a, it's a foothill road that there's been a lot of speeding and racing on uh, in, the, in the east side. And, you know, we had to coordinate really with three law enforcement agencies. Um, and, and, San, and San Jose PD was, of course, there with us the whole time. Uh, but San Jose PD, county sheriff, for some of the law breaking that was going on there that wasn't traffic related. And then, uh, uh, of course, the CHP doing the enforcement. So I just wanted to share that so everybody kind of understands that piece. If there's anything in particular that you'd like us to address, um, you know, we work with your traffic engineers and your Department of Transportation on data sharing. Uh, but any, we're, we're open to maybe elaborating on that you know, and, and helping in any way that you could see fit. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
And I know you said, I don't know if you wanted a Noth. I don't know. I, I, I do see that he's still on. I don't know if he's with us. Let's see if a Noth is. Yeah, he's there. Um, and Noth, do you have anything that you'd like to add to what I just uh, maybe uh, went on a little too long on? Sorry. Uh, thank you, Harry. I think, uh, you know, you're right. You know, we do work with City of San Jose Traffic Engineering Department and uh, on on many, many roadway infrastructure where we have joint jurisdiction. Uh, the case that you brought up about Capital and Almaden are the two expressways that are completely within city of San Jose. So the enforcement on that expressway is actually done by uh, San Jose PD. Uh, CHP takes care of all of the enforcement outside of the expressway network, well beyond the unincorporated roadways. Uh, so we have a, a system called Crossroads where we are collecting all the collisions because we work with various departments because the county roads go into many different jurisdictions in the city, uh, sorry, in the county. So we have to work with several police departments. And then, uh, so one of the, the databases that we are using currently is Crossroads where it's collecting all the data from Swidders and also directly from police departments uh, within, the, uh, within the county. Uh, and we are also uh, trying to get data from city of San Jose we're waiting for the San Jose PD to upgrade their database. So that'll help us get the data directly and much faster. So I'll leave it at that. If there's any other question, I'll be happy to answer. Thank I you. guess I'd add one more thing. We do get the opportunity because um, our, our, um, our roads interface with all the cities in Santa Clara County. We do have the opportunity to work with all the police departments generally in Santa Clara County. Some of the landlocked cities, for instance, like Campbell, less so, right? But certainly the cities that go around the periphery that interface with our roads, we work with all those police departments. So very much with Morgan Hill and Gilroy, of course, with San Jose, but then going around the corner into Milpitas or going along the other side in the hill cities with um, Los Gatos and Saratoga and, and all those interfaces. You know, some cities use different practices than the SJPD. For instance, some are issuing citations in a, in a paper form uh, and, and using, um, you know, instead of just using a warning and keeping track of it by hand, they issue the actual citation as a warning. So it ends up in a database. There's just a lot of different techniques. And I think that there's a lot of learning to be done um, by, uh, by looking at um, what's going on in the other cities. I mean, certainly I know that San Jose is focused on its roads, but of course we do see it from a county perspective and we have fatalities you know, all over the county. Uh, certainly, you know, we're, we're, we're just, um, just absolutely um, just so upset with what happened on Lawrence. Um, it, it personally really affected, um, uh, excuse me, at, at Midi, Lawrence and Midi um, was just a, a really, a, a really terrible uh, one that really, um, bought, uh, really haunted us for a while. We're still trying to, you know, get to the bottom of that one. Um, so anyway, uh, rambling on a little bit here. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I think um, if anything, too, what I wanted to try to to just see, and, and this goes to anybody, uh, you know, both yourself, Harry, your team, and BTA, um, and even the other city departments, on just, you know, ensuring that we are looking at the right data, or if there's anything that we should be, you know, analyzing differently, uh, that's going to help us, um, you know, as you look at what, um, you know, the, the uh, Urban Logic team is doing. Um, please, you know, don't hesitate to let us know. And, um, and then as we begin to incorporate the messaging, just ensuring everybody is thinking about what assets 
what areas and, and how we uh, collaborate on that. I think that that's going to be uh, important as we, we roll out um, this campaign. Okay. You know, I, I misspoke on one thing. Uh, excuse me, uh, Chair, if you, if you would uh, give me one more moment to just mention one thing. I, I said that education was something that we don't have a, a contract for, but I'm actually not speaking. Um, I, I just realized I wasn't speaking correctly in that uh, the County Public Health Department actually handles a lot of education for us, and and um, they have been receiving grant funds, uh, regional grant funds for their education program. And so I can't, I, I'm really not as familiar with it as I should, but the county does have that component. So let me just remind myself and everybody here um, that Rhodes doesn't represent, you know, all those, those different aspects. The county's so large. So public health is involved in that. Okay, that's helpful. Maybe that's um, obviously, you know, uh, helpful as we begin those conversations uh, and include the right people um, as we, we build up that messaging. Okay, thank you. I don't see any other hands raised from task force members. Uh, so thank you to uh, both presenters on that um, and, and certainly looking forward to the opportunity. I, I recognize as well, thank you, Jesse, for uh, reminding us that we don't yet have the contract and part of this was about getting that input beforehand. I think, uh, I don't think there'll be much contention though from uh, the recommendation coming forward, at least uh, not from myself. And so uh, I look forward to, to seeing that at council um, and, and then being able to move forward with the work. Okay, we're now gonna move into our open forum um, portion. And um, I, I know people have been raising their hands. And so we do invite uh, members of the public uh, to be able to speak on any of the items today. Um, um, and for those that have not participated with us, you can use the raise hand function uh, on Zoom, or if you're dialing in, you can press star nine, that'll raise your hand. And then when we call on you, you press star six uh, to unmute. And uh, our Department of Transportation uh, staff are gonna instruct you uh, on that. Uh, and we will be allocating two minutes to each of our speakers for today. Uh, and um, I will ask our panelists that uh, we uh, don't respond, uh, at least not until we've gone through all the speakers so that all of our speakers have an opportunity to speak. So I'll now turn it over to uh, Anna from DOT to open up public forum. Thank you, Council Member uh, Perales. Give me a second to set it up here. So if you have any question or comment, please use the raise hand button on your toolbar if you are joining us via Zoom or press star nine on your phone if you are calling in. Our first speaker for today, Gina. Gina, if you can unmute yourself. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, well, good morning, this is Gina LeBlanc. I'm Kyle LeBlanc's mom uh, and a member of San Francisco Bay Area Families for Safe Streets. And as many of you know, my 18-year-old son, Kyle, was killed as a pedestrian on Kirtner Avenue um, in 87 near the light rail station in 2016. Um, I just wanted to say as a bereaved mother, it means a lot to me that you are humanizing the data points and acknowledging the traffic fatalities at the beginning of each meeting. And I feel it really sets up the focus for the important work of Vision Zero. When Kyle was little, I attended IEP meetings for him at the school. Uh, he had Asperger's, high-functioning autism, and since these meetings tended to get sidetracked with contentious issues, I used to put a photo of him in the center of the table for everyone to see the real reason and focus for our meeting. 
By remembering those lost, you're setting these precious human beings in the center of the table. Thank you for doing that. I also wanna thank you for looking at Kurtner Avenue. I believe changes here will really save lives and save other mothers the kind of pain I live with every day. I recently received a letter from United States Congresswoman Anna Eshoo. I wrote to her about Kyle and about the importance of safer streets. She pointed out that the Transportation Alternatives Program or TAP within the Department of Transportation provides grants to state and local governments to fund the construction of cycling and pedestrian infrastructure. You're probably already aware of this, but I just wanted to bring it up just in case you didn't know. Um, and one question I have for Jesse Mintz-Roth is on the list of community meetings coming up regarding walk audits. You have listed uh, Moreland School in uh, District 1. This is my area and my kids' school district. And I'm wondering which Moreland School uh, you're talking about there, which streets. Um, so I'm interested to know more about that. Uh, that's my my comment, and I just want to thank you for focusing on safety and saving lives. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gina. And I'll, Jesse, I'll ask you to answer that uh, after we finish the, the public comment. And next up is Colin User 2. Man, where do I start? This is this meeting. It's just disgusting what you guys are talking about behavior reform and you know, trying to, you know, change people's behavior. Sounds like, it almost sounds, it sounds like a uh, re-education camp, except it's a re-education uh, city now. Uh, one of the policemen was talking about how you're a violator if you break a traffic law. You know, you know what a violator to me is? Someone who smashes in your window to get into your house. That's a violator. Someone who commits an infraction that's not a violator, and uh, this is the kind of language that you're using. It's Orwellian, really. Uh, the, the, this guy's on a mission to have Vision Zero. You know what my Vision Zero is? My Vision Zero is zero TEU because we don't need TEU. We need to defund the TEU and take that money and put it into overnight patrols with all the home break-ins and the – the, the uh, car thefts that are up 52%. But meanwhile, in my neighborhood at Brian and Cherry, you got a guy in a brand new BMW motorcycle sitting on a sidewalk behind a bush waiting for someone to roll through a stop sign between 8 and 5. That's not a violator or a violation. I'm sorry. There's nobody around. But you know what happens when there's 17 people on my street trying to pull door handles at 3 o'clock in the morning? That guy's nowhere to be found because he works eight to five being a revenue for this disgusting city. And you should all look at each other and be ashamed at yourselves at what you're doing. You guys are revenuers. This is gold bricking. It's got nothing to do with safety at all. Your city tried to put in speed cameras and were denied by the by the state of California. Thank God the only thing they've done decently in the last 10 years. It's you, you guys want control. You want everyone to wear a mask. You want people to drive. Thank you very much. And next up is Rosalinda Aguilar. Hi, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Vision um, Zero community members. I hope you can hear me. Um, 
I yes, might have okay. Thank you. Uh, I might have uh, missed the first few minutes of the call, but I noticed that the list that you um, identified as the high um, accident quarters uh, were mostly business centers, um, business center um, areas, and they were like uh, Monterey and Kurtner, uh, Tully and Kurtner, um, Alamock and White, etc. I, I grew up in San Jose. I'm familiar with like 95% of them. I I'm just curious if uh, if there is a parallel. Um, area of corridors that you've identified that are considered residential. Um, and so I have a request. I, I, I believe the Guadalupe Washington neighborhood, which I am the president of the neighborhood association, um, has been accepted to some part of this program, which I'm really excited about. Um, but it, as, as Dina from MIG stated that uh, people know the rules um, that when they break speeding rules and go through stop signs like they know the rules but they just simply do not follow them and I don't know what the actual um, solution to that is but I'm I'm curious to to know how you can address that and and why I state that is um, as we know there's been a revitalization of downtown San Jose going on and our community is both the entrance and the exit to downtown San Jose and we have a high incidence of accidents, um, pedestrian car versus cars. I've done my own uh, reports that I've submitted to the city and um, it continues to happen. But the majority of the people that are the offenders do not live in my community. Um, so when you talk about um, safety instruction to our community members, it's not necessarily gonna work because these are people, our, our community has become a uh, through community to downtown San Jose. It's not even a through street, but a through community. And I think that you really need to consider um, looking at our community and how you can make it safer for its residents. Thank you. Thank you, Rosalinda. And next up is uh, Molly McLeod. Good morning, my name is Molly McLeod. Um, Gina, I want to offer my condolences to you um, on the, Kyle's death. I am a bereaved mother as well. My son, Jeremiah, died um, in 2018. Um, one of the things that I'm going to raise is the um, a difference between uh, San Francisco and San Jose is that San Francisco, the city county, has um, an office of disability, and the city of San Jose is not. It's one of... Uh, the top 20 U.S. populations, but it's uh, last. There are only two that don't have an office of disability or a division or a department. And that lack of focus shows up in a number of ways. Um, I didn't hear it spoken to uh, with regards to the contracts, um, MIG and Unique Logic. And so I'm wondering whether or not um, that was part of the RFQ process to ask what are what is the expertise around ableism and around um, access, including communication access, since this is um, going to involve a communication campaign. Like Gina, um, my son had um, an invisible disability. Um, I also attended um, I individualized education meetings. And so that's on the forefront of my mind as well. Um, although there are people who have visible mobilities, for example, using wheelchairs and walkers, and then there's other folks that have um, cognitive or other types of needs. What um, expertise does MIG and Unique Logic bring? Um, when I did a cursory look at the, their websites, I uh, didn't see much reference. And in fact, when I checked using WebAIM, there are a number of um, 
access uh, failures. So friends of mine who would be using um, screen readers wouldn't be able to gain information because there's missing alt text. Those types of things are important for social media campaigns and others. So I'd ask for the city of San Jose, um, how are you building up your internal resources and for your consultants? In what ways are you holding them accountable to bring this expertise? Thank you. Thank you, Molly. Okay, and we have, uh, I believe it's Gita, Dev. Good morning, members of the task force and council members. Uh, this is, I'm Gita Dev. I um, am part of the Sierra Club. And we have been extremely enthusiastic about San Jose's Vision Zero program moving forward. Listening to it today, I'm afraid I was late for it because I was at another meeting on just this issue. Uh, but I did join uh, at 10 o'clock. The point that I would like to uh, make is that I realize we are at the very beginning of the campaign, and I hope uh, that Sierra Club members will be included in the uh, task force. I'm not quite sure who to contact to make sure that that does happen, but would appreciate, um, appreciate being able to do that. The, in the vision of the uh, Vision Zero, I think the two things that we found that are really, really important is, as you've mentioned, um, speed. However, like Seattle has gone ahead and reduced their speed limit to 25 miles per hour throughout their city, and they've posted signs throughout, 2,500 signs, but it's really not what makes for safe streets. Uh, Post-COVID, what we have realized is that people are using streets a lot more, pedestrians are using them, micromobility is using them, and what we need is a network of slower, safer streets, which will attract the pedestrians, bicyclists, and micromobility. Um, we'd love to share that information with you. There are groups that are working on it. Um, we would, I think, be very happy to share that information with uh, Deanna or Mark or staff members who would be involved and interested. So we'd look forward to being able to share that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, next is Christine Fitzgerald. Excellent. Hello, all. Um, first, I want to thank you for having this. Second, I would like to, to uh, start out by saying I'm a community advocate for the Silicon Valley Independent Living Center, dedicated to working for the rights of people with disabilities. I couldn't agree with more with Molly and her statement that there needs to be an Office of Disability Affairs. I also agree that um, the, both the city and the county can do far more to make sure that such meetings and such projects are made fully accessible for all. Let me give you a for instance. I noticed the text crawl on the bottom of the screen on uh, Zoom, which is great, and I know that there is a, a live transcript. However, there are some folks that mostly use ASL. A strong encouragement to use ASL in every meeting. As far as the actual presentations, I'd also like to say that nothing about us without us, and I wasn't hearing a lot 
and the words um, that were spoken around disability. I heard pedestrian, I heard uh, motorist, and I heard bicyclist. There are those of us that use mobility devices of all kinds, including wheelchairs. As Molly knows, I use a power chair, and I do also have a visual disability. So sometimes double trouble comes in into the uh, into the mixture, and I'm so very lost. I'm so very sorry for the loss of Kyle. So many people with disabilities are being affected in so many ways, and a lot of people have disabilities that are not visual, that cannot be seen, but should be recognized and felt and honored. Thank you. Thank you. And our last speaker is Chris, uh, I believe it's Gian Greco. Yes, hopefully you can hear me. Yes, we can hear uh, you. My name is Christian Greco. I'm with I'm the traffic and transportation liaison for the Winchester Orchard Neighborhood Association. Uh, we've worked with many people in the DOT in the years past. I wanted to take this opportunity to point out to the task force a uh, serious pedestrian safety problem that we've got in our neighborhood. Is one of our most concerning uh, pedestrian safety problems in our neighborhood at the corner of Rosewood Avenue, which is my street, and Stevens Creek Boulevard, uh, we have a condition, we have a condition which is uh, uh, the historic sidewalk space that existed for decades has been taken over by the car dealership at the end of our street. Uh, no longer is there pedestrian access from the street along the west side of Rosewood Avenue. Uh, there's a lot of issues there. Pedestrians are required to walk in the street and uh, people come at a pretty rapid speed off of Stevens Creek. So we're requesting a site analysis of that. Uh, allowing this condition to exist flies completely in the face of uh, urban village guidelines, complete street guidelines. Uh, vision zero policies and goals. And we did bring this up when it first began to occur with, to the D1 office. Uh, the rep, there was absolutely no resolution there. And uh, we're still waiting for resolution. So, you know, if the task force can drive, uh, drive some resolution on this for us, we're hoping that the traffic enforcement unit, Mr. Anaya, can get some enforcement of the vehicles parking where pedestrians are required to uh, walk in the street, which is a red zone. Thank any you. help can, would Thank be greatly Chris. appreciated. I'd be happy to answer any other questions. Thank you, Chris. Okay, so we do have just a couple minutes. Jesse, would you mind answering the question from Gina in regards to the school specific? Uh, yes, that, the Moreland School um, is uh, the, the streets that we were given to focus on in that area are Campbell Avenue and Fallbrook Avenue, um, if that answers that question. Okay, and if it doesn't, um, Gina, feel free to follow up and we can, we can see if we can get that answered. And then what I'll ask Jesse 
um, in regards to the question of the specific vision zero corridors that Rosalinda was talking about. I know we don't, we're looking at the data. We're not necessarily distinguishing the difference between, you know, are you a neighborhood street or a business street or it, it's really the, the, the data on, on these areas that with high impact. Um, but I'd like to see if that's something we could bring back at a future meeting. Um, and we can really maybe see if we can't separate the two in, in a conversation of, of some of these business or more, more highly traffic corridors versus some more neighborhood specific uh, corridors and looking at, at data in those areas as well. Um, and then uh, if, if in, a, in a minute, if uh, uh, Deanna or Mark are able to just answer in regards to how you can incorporate um, the, the questions around individuals with disabilities. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, so thank you for, for highlighting that. And, and thank you, actually, we're, I was just talking with the team right now. And, and so we're gonna, first of all, I appreciate uh, you pointing that out. So we're making changes to, to our own website um, uh, to incorporate uh, the points you made. Uh, more broadly, in terms of the work we're doing with San Jose, I had mentioned uh, briefly that part of the reason we were working with San Jose around computer vision is actually to be able to track the, the types of, of, of um, of people uh, with mobility disabilities that aren't currently um, uh, in the data sets we're getting. So things like wheelchairs, um, canes, et cetera. Um, and with regard to the broader discussion of, of non-visible disabilities, um, my email is mark at urbanlogic.com. I would really appreciate any, any thoughts you could have with that. It, it's something that I think we, we would uh, very much like to seek your input and, and uh, we would be committed to do what we can to, to dive more deeply into that. Great, thank you. And if you didn't get Mark Sima, you can email my office or, or Councilmember Foley's and we'll, we'll make sure to connect you. Uh, Deanna, did you want to add to that, please? Yeah, um, you know, MIG has a um, specialization in ADA accessibility and um, we have that uh, group within our firm and we, you know, often um, consult them in the midst of our, our campaign work. So that's certainly an area that we can tap. Um, in addition, specifically with our web technology, we have been working with the Center for Accessible Technology out of the Ed Roberts campus um, in, in Berkeley. And they have been um, tremendously helpful in um, sharpening our uh, delivery of um, websites and other digital um, applications uh, for folks um, who use readers, uh, screen readers and such. And um, they have been doing um, a lot of testing for us um, and we've learned a um, significant amount. And um, as Mark said as well, um, I'm, I'm also uh, really interested in any further ideas you have. I think it's definitely an area that we can continue to improve upon. Thank you, I appreciate that. And uh, Councilmember Foley, and we are, we're a little bit over time now, so. I know just briefly, and, and I can say this because you and I are in the same budget Brown Act, but I wanted to let Molly and others know that I've submitted a funding request for the Office of Disability Affairs and to establish one. So I just wanted those on the call to know that. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Councilmember Foley. And thank you to everybody as well for participating with us today. Uh, our next task force meeting will be on Friday, September 23rd, uh, 1.30 to uh, 3.30. And then uh, the next one following that, Friday, December 10th, 9 to 11. We will also be getting uh, an update at the Transportation and Environment Committee in November of this year. So you have uh, some more opportunities to participate. There will be a survey following this meeting for our uh, task force members. If you can please remember to fill that out and submit that back. Thank you very much. Uh, please stay safe. Meeting is adjourned.